to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on with Chizo and my main man, Pesto. How you going there, champion? I'm good. You sound very excited for this podcast. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I think I'm just excited that the JLT is over and we can finally get into planning for round one. I think we're at... Uh, but at this time, I think there's nine days, maybe even eight days left to go. I've, I'm getting too excited. I can't stop counting. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to this uh, forward-only podcast. So, yeah, lay it on me. What have we got today? What we're going to do today, as you said, we're going to run through the forwards, uh, the structures, the strategies, the ruck forward, dual eligibility kind of thing. Uh, more importantly, rookies, uh, Pistol, we'll touch on a bit later because they've been driving me absolutely crazy. I think I've had every possible player on Supercoach under the price of 150000 at some point rotate through my forward line. Uh, first thing I want to check in on is our Everyday Hero Cancer Council Victoria page that we've got going. We've had uh, another... Um, big donation by Throts. We know who you are, Throts. Thanks for donating again this year. Uh, if you, from your generous donation, if you want to send us in uh, a screenshot of your team, we can do a, a, a rate a rating for you. Let you know what we think uh, live on the podcast or whatnot. Anything up to you. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, don't forget, guys, to head over to our Dr. Supercoach um, Cancer Council page to donate. Donate for donuts. We're still looking after little Harry. who uh, had his second round of chemo uh, yesterday, and uh, everything's still going. There, um, so uh, good things happening along the, the Cancer Council there, Pete. Yeah, again, I don't want to sound creepy when we say we know who you are, Throts. That's not the intention. <laughs> But thanks so much for donating again for the second year in a row. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, don't forget, guys, the new website's up, drsc.com.au. You can find all our new content there. We've got highlights for the JLT linked on there. You can find our Facebook, a Donate for Donuts uh, page. You can find our podcast. And don't forget, we've got a new iTunes this year. So um, of those that are actually finding us on iTunes, that's great. Um, a lot a lot of people have complained, um, I suppose complaint's not the right word, they're pissed that they can't find us. And we want more people to be able to find us. So... Um, um, if you know someone that is trying to find us or they uh, um, haven't listened to the podcast yet, give, give them the link, give us a shout out. Um, that way they'll be able to find us their pistol because um, I, I think you spent most of the week trying to tell people who were waiting for the pods that there's actually three out there waiting for them. Yeah, they kept messaging the page saying, can't wait for your next load of podcasts or next podcast for 2017. And I'm like, ah, yeah, different <laughs> iTunes account. Give us a rating if uh, you enjoy it. And yeah, we'll keep producing them. Yeah, absolutely. The ratings help us find new um, super coaches that can uh, ch- listen in and, and channel the pistol brilliance that you bring every week. We haven't heard <laughs> as many puns this year, mate. That everyone, that's the other thing people are complaining about. Where's pistol's puns from last year? Yeah, I don't know. I th- am I not as sharp as this last season? I'm not sure. Maybe they'll, they'll come to me. I don't plan them, so it's got to be in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the last thing we'll cover before we get started, uh, Supercoach Champion Rings, they're still going. Remember, if you use the doc, all one word, capital key, T, I did it again, capital D, uh, you will get a 10% discount um, on those rings that uh, you, you can uh, all, all in your league can all chip in five bucks and uh, be able to pick up one of those pistols. Let's get underway and we'll jump into the forward line. 
We'll do what we always do. We'll talk about the main difference from this year compared to other years. And straight off the bat, that's really obviously the lack of um, the DPP midfielders like the Dustin Martins, the Zorcos, the Zach Merritts that can average us 105, 110 plus. And so our strategy will have to change this year, Pistol. Yeah, they're all gone. All those good players that you're locked in every season, gone. All in one year, taken away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And... One of the players that did stick around for us, Dahlhouse, basically had the same kind of um, time through the midfield as the other guys. So I'm not even really sure how he kept his DPP, but luckily for us, he is uh, just one person we don't have to think about, one position on our forward lines that we don't have to think about because Dahlhouse, he was the first selected for me. He just went straight in. Yeah, I think for most people, it's just you go to the forward line, you find Dahlhouse, you put him in. I'm not sure there's a point talking about him too much. Um, just get him in if you haven't got him. He's underpriced. He got injured. He's a great player. I'll average, you know, close to 100. That's all you really want. So, yeah, just lock it away. Yeah, um, uh, not last year, the year before. I think he went 105, and um, you're not going to find that with basically anyone else in the forward line this year. So uh, we don't need to touch on that too much. But as we don't have those guys that are going to go 105, 110 so much, Pistol, a lot of people are saying that this is the year of the key forwards. It kind of brings them back into contention. And if you look at um, some of the top 10 players from last year, top player from last year, Nick Rewalt, um, still able to be picked in the forward line, averaging 101. Second was uh, JJK, averaging 98. You got Franklin at 5, averaging 95. We know he can explode. Tom Lynch at 7, 93. 8 was Jack Gunston, 92. Jared White somehow still averaged 92 for the rest of the year after averaging, I think, about 60 after round 4. Um, you've got a lot of these uh, key forwards here, Pistol, that are a little bit more relevant this year, and it's not just the uh, the Buddy Franklin is the only key forward that's relevant. There are some other ones that you know are coming out of the woodwork, and I'm seeing seeing them pop up in different teams. Yeah, uh, we've got a lot of teams submitted with uh, Tom Lynch from Gold Coast in the, in the squad, and I can't say I disagree with that being a bad pick. What do you kind of see him going this year, knowing that he averaged 93 with very poor supply last year? They he, they didn't have the midfield at Gold Coast to be giving him quality entry and repeated entry. If he got 93 last year, it, it's all it's completely possible he goes 100 plus. Oh, it certainly is, and that's why I think people are picking him. I I see him kind of uh, I think just below 90, probably between 95 and 100. However, with that early round nine buy, I think he's going to be an upgrade target for me. I'll get him just after that buy. Yeah, and one thing we touched on a few weeks ago when we're talking about the relative ratings that Champion Data have brought in this year um, into their AFL prospectus that we're talking about, uh, Peter Wright is the highest averaging key forward, uh, highest rated key forward for his age. Um, in comparison, since 2010, I think they, they started uh, calculating the relative ratings for. Tom Lynch has the ability to go 100-plus pistol, but I don't think he's going to be the be-all and end-all of the Gold Coast forward line this year. Another preseason to put on that muscle mass, Peter Wright is going to even up that amount of supply that goes between the two. And I don't think... That, there's guys out there that are saying, oh, Tom Lynch is a gun. If he did 93 last year, he's going to average 105 this year. I don't think that's the case. I think that's along the line that you're saying, 95 to you know 98 kind of era is really something we should uh, should really be contemplating. Um, but I think he's pretty safe as a top six option. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think top six, that's probably a good one. Who else do you see in your top six? Uh, it, other people in the top six, I think you can't um, 
discount Buddy. Obviously, you can't discount Buddy. Gunston, interesting to know if he's going to be named on a wing. Um, if he does, he's going to, going to rack up the ball. It will impact his goal-scoring capability, so he's going to have to increase his possessions by quite a large jump to counteract the fact that he won't be kicking as many goals um, with the likes of Sicily coming along, Roughhead back there, um, Ty Vick coming in. So um, if he is playing on more of a high half-forward wing role, we do need a lot of those... Um, those mark kick combinations um another person that we uh, think might be in there jack mccray had a little bit of a down year um i think we calculated over the last pre uh, three seasons he's played 59 games at an average of approximately 98 i think it, if you ran it out over the three years it averages 98 that would put him second alongside jjk for selectable forwards this season if he had averaged that last year. So he's definitely one to consider right at the top. Um, Lids is going to be interesting. He's probably there on average, but he's definitely not going to play more than, say, probably 15 games this year. So definitely you're crossing him off the list for, uh, for someone that you want to be starting with. Um, Toby Green, Pistol. This is a little sneaky one I was talking to you about before. I really think the Coniglio out for the first six weeks um, and the Whitfield out for the first half of the season, he may not change his role perhaps, but he might get maybe one, maybe two rotations through the centre that he wouldn't have got otherwise that could push him up. We've, we've seen him go 100 plus before. I'm not suggesting that, but I think he might go from 90 last year to maybe 95, which would put him as, uh, based on last year's numbers, the fourth highest averaging forward and he's also in very few amount of teams so I really like Toby Toby Green as a selection pistol yeah I quite like Green as well however I do feel that he's close to peak price given all Australian honors and the amount of goals he kicks last year you're probably right that he gets a couple more midfield rotations but even then I'm not sure that it will be enough to pump his average from a 90 to 95 so he's kind of a wait and see for me but if you are choosing him, he's definitely not a bad selection, and yeah, that, that would be fine. Well, I'll put it to you this way. He's 4000 around about $4,000 difference between Josh Caddy, and everyone is all over Caddy, and I'll tell you why. It's because everyone expects him to play, say, 80% midfield, 20% forward, compared to Toby Green that's probably going to be 60% forward, 40% running through the midfield. However, Caddy is in the worst team as well, so... I don't know if you kind of want to be more on the forward line if your team's so dominant, which I expect GWS to be. So it's a bit tough. I think um, I think we got uh, a question from Facebook about that. Uh, do you happen to know who asked? We, we do. Matthew Hall, if you had to pick Toby Green or Josh Caddy, I think I've already answered my half um, why I would pick Toby Green because I would pick Toby Green. As you said, GWS more likely to um, be dominating possession of the ball, have more of it in their forward line. He definitely has room for improvement. We've seen it score-wise. Everyone was kind of writing him off. He was not going to get a game last year, and then all of a sudden he's come out and had an all-Australian season. The thing is with Josh Caddy, of uh, all the mid-forwards last year, he was elite going in the forward 50, and he was a leech setup player. And with him kind of running through the midfield, he might lose a little bit of that delivery outside and trying to hit the forward, uh, the forwards on the full being more of an inside player pistol. I think that his contested possessions might make up for the score that he loses in the forward line, but I don't see his 
disposal efficiency being able to keep up high enough now that he's playing more inside to kind of have that big jump that everyone thinks. So they're two different players around the same scoring input. They both have positives, but they both have negatives. It's a very much, much... um, much of a muchness for me. I think Toby Green has the better upside because he's in a better team. I'm not saying either of them are bad suggestions. I think that Green for me, plus he's a lot more unique. So I don't normally look at percentages like that, but in this case, I probably would go a Green over a Caddy for that reason. Do you have um, any other things to add to that, mate? Do you do you disagree with me? Do you go Josh Caddy? Do you do Toby Green? What do you reckon? I'm actually quite a fan of Caddy <laughs> after all of that uh, spiel. No, 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 that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> However, I do have to point out that in his last four seasons, he's played 16 games, 14 games, 19 games, and 16 games. So he's also not the most durable of players. Uh, that is obviously going to impact his total score for the year. So it's something that you have to be aware of when you're selecting him. Richmond, new club. I guess, as you said, new role as well. I do see him increasing on his average from last year, and I, I think he can push 95, so I think he's quite a good pick. Um, it's just the durability. I'm not really sure how I feel about it to start the year. Yeah, durability is um, between the two is very interesting because I, I for always saw Toby Green as someone that always missed weeks. And over the last couple of seasons, he just hasn't done that. I always saw him as the guy that, um, I'm probably going back a few seasons now, Pistol, that used to go out, have a few too many, get into a fight, and miss a couple of weeks as punishment. Um, whereas Caddy would do it through, uh, he, if he wasn't injured, he'd find an injury halfway during the week to try and get him a week off. <laughs> All right. Yeah, interesting. We've named a couple of guys that are all kind of sitting in the top 10, the top 15, based on last year's numbers. A couple guys that have been interesting um, this year that could jump from that, you know, the 30th in average last year. We've got a lot of people jumping on Sean Higgins coming off an average of uh, 78. We'll talk about him in a second. We've got a lot of people who were on the Isaac Heaney train. Someone who's uh, two plays here that are evenly priced with Isaac Heaney, Chad Wingard and Isaac Smith pistol could make that jump out of, say, uh, a Wingard, a Smith, and a Higgins. Who are you liking out of those? And I think I know the answer. I think you also have to include Took Miller in that price range, considering he's right there with them. Um, and I, I do think Took Miller's quite a good pick. However, for me personally, I'd actually lean towards Sean Higgins. Oh, tell us a bit about him, mate. You, you want to go, go Sean Higgins? Is, uh, I think uh, Jake Langenberger um, actually commented on the page... What do we think of Higgins? <laughs> okay, well, I don't have Higgins in my current side, so uh, I, I can see the positive of selecting him, though. He is a very, very friendly price at only 426 k And in the JLT, I'm sure everyone knows, he scored 100 in the first one. Uh, Blitz the second, JLT with 123. And in the last one, he scored 68, but that was off 41% time on ground. So he got rested after halftime. So he really just blitzed the JLT, and he's getting a run through the midfield with um, North Melbourne losing a couple of key players. Cunnington's out round one, so yeah, he slots straight in there, I think, um, from the get-go. Not sure how long he'll be right in the thick of it, but I imagine he'll at least get rotations through the midfield. And look, to be honest, he's going to increase on his average from last year, and we know in his previous season he was actually a top defender forward option. If we remember two years ago, uh, he actually averaged 94.7, which would put him right in the frame for a top six 
uh, forward option this year if he can get back to that. And he's going to be playing more midfield time, and I think he still gets a cheeky goal or two a game as well. So I think he's a great pick. At 426, he doesn't break the bank. He's even probably on par with a caddy for me as well. Um, the only problem, it's Sean Higgins. Durability is a massive issue with this guy. <laughs> Look, he could break down at any point, but I guess if you've got if you've got a plan for it, he, he could only break down at the end of the year. Who knows? He's got the durability of Daniel Wells. We know how he's going at Collingwood already. No, oh, let's not start. Unlike Buckley, if I did pick someone like Sean Higgins or Daniel Wells, I would not be happy with only 15 games in a season for my Supercoach team. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the other guys that we touched on there, Chad Wingard, still nursing that. I think it was a hammy complaint, so as a wait and see. I do think he's going to have a good a good year this year. Isaac Smith will continue his outside role. He may get a little bit more uh, ball, but I don't really see him pushing up into the 95 to 100 average. And uh, same with Took Miller. Uh, last year, he spent a lot more time through the midfield because GW, uh, sorry, uh, Gold Coast just didn't have that depth in the midfield. They pick up Jared Lyons, Pierce Hanley, Michael Barlow. They've got these guys to rotate through there this year. I don't see another 15 to 20 point jump on his score. He may improve. He may go from 79 to to 90 and have an absolute stellar year. But even then, he's not pushing top 10, top 6 credentials. And for what you're outlaying him for him, he's not a stepping stone. So unless you see him going 95 plus, I really don't see the benefits starting with him. Um, I've... but then again, with the the difference in what we should expect from our premiums in the forward line, this season it does open up a wide range of people that could jump up. We've got people jumping on Jack Billings, Jack Steele. Petrarca had one good game and everyone's jumping on him. You've got a Ryder, a Nankervis. There's a lot of guys that we could jump on here, Piston. I think that's a good kind of segue into the next section that I want to talk about. Uh, we've got a question uh, on the, the Facebook page from James Carl. Jack Steele, is he a trap pistol? What do you reckon? Uh, I'd actually say don't think so. <laughs> He's currently in 20% of sides as well. So that means if you are going to get burn, at least it's not going to be a unique burn. I should probably talk about his JLT um, matches because he did have a very successful um, JLT. He ended with 114. In the middle, he got 155. And in the first JLT, he did get a 50, but it was from 39% time on ground. Uh, He's actually been tackling like a maniac. I think off the top of my head, he got seven tackles in the first JLT and then like 12 and 11. So I'm just watching him and I see Jack Redden from Brisbane. I, I think... I mean, one of my friends, Sean, actually mentioned it. He said, um, this guy is just Jack Redden from Brisbane 2.0 right now, how he's playing for St. Kilda. And after he made that comparison, like I, I couldn't unsee it. And I think Jack Redden went okay in Supercoach. So let's see how, how Steele goes. An interesting side note on Jack Steele, as you said, he scored the seventh most Supercoach points over the preseason in the JLT games behind Zorko, Fife, Josh Kelly, Zach Tui, Clayton Oliver, Josh Hill, uh, sorry, yeah, Stephen Hill, and then Jack Steele. There we go. And his price, uh, his very kind price, I think it's 347k as well. So he also doesn't break the bank. All you need from him, I think it's possible he can push 90. And if he does push 90, then he becomes a keeper. If he doesn't push 90, then I've made a mistake and I've uh, kind of got sucked into a mid-pricer, which I think we all do from time to time. But <laughs> at this stage, he's in my team. I'm really hoping for this 90 average. Alan Richardson, I think he was quoted uh, today saying how Jack Steele's been a very important part 
and reason why they performed so well throughout the JLT series. So I see him getting midfield time at Saints, and I just hope that he doesn't let me down. He absolutely killed it in the Neeful again last year. And just to differentiate him to a Took Miller, Took Miller is 430,000, um, and you want him to go 90. That's only a 10-point uh, bump. Um, but you've got, say, a Jack Steele that's 350,000. You know, that's an extra 80K that he, if he averages the same, that he makes on top of that um, if you are going to trade him out at some point. Or that's an extra 80K that you can go from, say, a Dan Butler and then get a Tim Taranto in your forward line. Yeah, 80K is a large difference. If I had the extra 80K, maybe I would consider Sean Higgins again, but <laughs> I don't, and uh, Jack still finds himself in my side. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll talk about another thing that everyone's been having dramas with. We're talking about Nank the Tank that you've touched on previously, um, and we're talking about Paddy Ryder, the DPP situation. We've already touched on Paddy Ryder and Nank in our Ruck, um, our Ruck podcast that we talked about, and we said that... Um, a lot at, at the at that point in time, Nankervis hadn't really had that number one. Um, hadn't really stamped himself as that number one ruckman. The Hazzy Pistol. No, I think after that podcast, he'd only scored the eighty-nine of the JLT, and things move fast, don't they? Yeah, he he was playing. I, I'm trying to figure out who it was. I think it was Steph Martin or someone that weekend that we were focusing on, and then in the background, Nankervis was just absolutely killing it, or and we just didn't touch on it. He is now bonafide the number one ruck role. Uh, Sean Hampson is now on the long-term injury list. He's indefinitely out. They don't have Ty Vic to kind of chop out and be that second ruckman anymore. They do have um, Griffiths, who's going to do a couple times to give Nank uh, a little bit of a rest. But he is now that number one ruck role pistol. He is going to be playing from round one straight in the guts. And I think as we touched on the other, the other week, Every single competition he's ever played in, he has averaged above 100 super coach points. Whether it be the VFL, the NEFL, whatever he's played in, he has been a dominant ruckman. He tackles like a beast. He does enough around the ground. He's a good tap ruckman as well. Gets a, a, a centre clearances. He does it all. He really could be a, a fantastic pickup for not only Richmond, but our super coach teams this year. So, yeah, Nankervis uh, Nank did score 129 in the second JLT and 89 in the last. I don't think it's unrealistic to think it's possible he may push 90. Again, if he pushes 90 in the forward line, you're probably approaching uh, keeper status. Why do I have two mid-prices in my forward line? I can't tell you. I actually have, <laughs> I also have Ruffy, so I have three. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> no one listened to my advice. I've lost the plot. And, and just to underline this, we had this, Pistol and I had this argument before we did any of the podcasts, right at the start of the year, how uh, mid-prices weren't necessary. It was just pure guns and rooks. You don't need mid-prices. That little allure of the, you know, the, the good points per per average there, Pistol, was just starting to chew away that, that, that little uh, voice at the back of your head saying that they're no good. <laughs> I think I started my first draft with zero mid-prices whatsoever, <laughs> and now I've got a handful. I think the rookie situation has really gotten to my head. I'm um, struggling looking at all these rookies that are available and thinking, nah, don't want him, nah, don't want him. Kind of forced my hands. Well, that's the excuse I'm going to give anyway for having three mid-prices in my forward lines. <laughs> Even when I'm saying it out loud, it sounds like a bad idea. And particularly uh, the new age coaches that I've only come on in the last couple of years, they don't know Supercoach before we had GWS and Gold Coast come through with all these rookies. Or even Eston last year, they had a bajillion players that uh, were under 200k. 
this is what Supercoach is about, finding those little gems that you have to pay maybe that extra 40k for to get like a, a Turner or an extra 100k to get Taranto instead of getting your, your Eddies and your Butlers and your Pickets and all these guys and playing them on the ground pistol. I agree, but I think we can talk about that in a bit. Um, well, you've mentioned quite a lot of rookies. Do you want to get into that? Yeah, we'll, we'll jump straight into that. Uh, what rookies get, we can um, kind of expect. The number one on everyone's list is Tim Taranto. And the start of the preseason, everyone kind of knew him as that guy that somehow went number two and he basically didn't... He wasn't in many people's top tens. And then all of a sudden... Everyone, he's just jumped to number two out of nowhere. People don't know much about him. The reason was he was playing second fiddle to Hugh McCluggage last year, but he arguably arguably had just as impressive numbers. He uh, he's, is a great example of GWS not looking at the player, but looking at the statistics that he can support. A bit of a money ball kind of aspect where they were looking at not so much uh, relying on visual, their recruiters going down and saying, this is a flashy player. Like, uh, if you watch uh, JJ for the Bulldogs, he stands out every game he plays into, but his stats may not back that up. Tim Taranto is a player that may not look flashy, but he absolutely kills it statistically. And in the TAC Cup last year, he averaged 148 super coach points, 27 disposals, 1.5 contested marks, 1.4 goals per game. And in the TAC Cup Grand Final, he had a 31 disposal, 11 tackle performance. This guy is actually, as, as, as funny as I say it for a number two um, draft pick pistol, he's actually probably underrated. <laughs> bit of those stats sound a bit like uh, Lukey Parker when you're reading it. Yeah, absolutely dominant. It was basically, uh, uh, and, and to think that he was overshadowed by Hugh McCluggage last year. Well, I think uh, Robert Spencer asked a question to us on, on our page saying, how good is Taranto? Uh, hopefully that's been answered and it's the answer's very, very good. Yeah, across 21 career matches covered by Champion Data, he averages 136 supercoach points, 23 disposals, one contested mark, and he kicked 27 goals in this time. He's elite at ground level. And from the draft last year, he is the best mid-forward with elite inside 50 kicking. And I think that's why he's been getting so much of a go at GWS is because, particularly with, like, say, a Lockie Whitfield out, they do need that very, very elite disposal into the forward line. And I think that he is actually going to be playing from round one. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually had a lot more game time than we probably expect. Well, with Coniglio out for six weeks with an ankle injury and Delidio out indefinitely, I think he's locked to play round one, and I don't think that he'll get dropped at least for, if he gets dropped, I should say, for, you know, six to eight weeks, enough time that he can actually mature as a rookie. So I'd say he's got the scoring potential. I know he's at 207K and it's hard to fit him in, but there's just no other forward rookie option like him. So I'd say get him in. Absolutely right. There's a lot of mid uh sorry there's a lot of forward rookies to pick from but there's not many that we can be confident are going to play consistent games you know you've got um even at GWS you've got a Matt Kennedy who I I'm impressed by um you got Hugh McCluggage unfortunately injured uh wonder look in future weeks you got a Jared Pickett Will Hoskin Elliott. There's there's a lot of guys that we can look at, but there's not many that we can be as confident as Taranto that we can lock him in and say, yes, I'm paying a bit more, 
but at least I've got someone confident that I'm going to get games from him early on, Pistol. Do you see anyone else in the forward line that you can go, yep, at least I know he's going to play games? No, I don't feel confident about anyone except for Eddie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Brett Eddie came out with, uh, I think it was five goals, four on the weekend. If only the uh, the sample had taught him how to kick, he could actually have uh, kicked a proper bag. He's probably, uh, I think we've just got word um, today that he and Dan Houston are looking to get the upgrade um, from the rookie list for Port Adelaide. He's definitely one that you'd be locking in the forward line. Would you be hoping for a bench spot or maybe an F6 pistol? What are you aiming for? I definitely have Eddie on the bench. I don't trust any key forwards and their scoring potential. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll talk about um, someone that is a little bit uh, on the same uh, the same aspect. A small forward and key forward kind of have the same volatility in the fact that they you know can have a good week and have a bad week, and we generally see them average anywhere between fifty five and sixty five for the year, but their standard deviation is all over the place. Jared Pickett. Low scoring capacity, but on the weekend we did see what he can do when he kicked a few snags. And he's, you know, he's a very quick, impressive player, and we can see why he went uh, at number four in the 2014 draft. Yeah, I think he's a good spot for your bench. He's a kind of a slow burn. Scoring potential isn't high. I'd say he's in the same boat as uh, Dan Butler for Richmond as well. He probably should play early games. Scoring potential's not quite there as like a defensive, fast, uh, small forward. There's a couple more guys uh, we could probably touch on, but they get a bit more pricey. And then again, the job security and the scoring potential doesn't scale appropriately with their price, I think. So the forward line is going to be very hit and miss. But a couple of other names I can throw out that should play round one. Um, Oliver Florent from Swans will get a, probably get a gig. Uh, Stewart from Essendon. Your, it's your team. What do you think about him? Stewart's definitely going to be playing. He, he He's definitely... We've needed that... that um, the offsider, that that second key forward, young key forward to go along Danaher, um, Stewart's the right age profile, his right development. He does. He was held out of the GWS side by their um, immense amount of talent that they did have in the forward line. If you've got John O'Patton and you've got Rory Lobb and these kind of guys, Jeremy Cameron, there really isn't a spot for James Stewart, even with his skill set, and he's going to be playing a lot of game time at Essendon. Again, Essendon's not overly a great side, I do have to say. Like, honest perspective, that not trying to bring the supporter side to it. He is another key forward that we really can't expect to be going very high. And I think if he averages 60, he's had a really good season. And I'm not quite sure he's even going to get there. So you've got another, he's 160K or something about like that, 160, 170K. So still not cheap and scoring potential isn't great. You've got uh, Jack Bowes, who I thought at the beginning of the season was going to be an absolute lock, but he's severely done poorly in the JLT. He probably gets a gig going into round one, but again, his his, uh, scoring potential is extremely questionable. Um, I think he could still be one of the better options somehow, just because I rate him, but that's more my gut feel than actual stats, so probably don't trust that. Um, He is priced at 170 as well, which is expensive. Kane Turner um, is also priced at 170. I think he gets a couple games for the Ruse, but he's really a guy that needs to keep playing well to hold his spot. If he plays a few bad games in a row, he's out. He's made you no money, and you've just got him stuck on the bench. But out of all the 170K-ish players, I think Turner would be my pick. Is that fair? 
Yeah, I, and I think the the fact that he's he's been around for a couple of seasons, like he is in his fourth year this year after coming up off the the rookie list elevation, um, he's got a good efficiency around goal, um, elite for accuracy, above average for assists. So he's he's that good kind of smallish 180 centimeter forward that you're looking for at North. You know, the loss of Boomer Harvey and these kind of guys, uh, they are kind of looking for another person to replace them with. Uh, a more mature player um, is, is definitely going to be looking at. He does have durability uh, questions about him, um, but he is uh, another one of those small forward, uh, very defensive-minded players, uh, averaging eight um, tackles per game in his uh, small VFL sample from last year. So North... It could very, it definitely could be looking at someone like that. But as you said, a lot of these guys, they have one bad game. They're straight back to the seconds, and uh, we could be really up um, the creek without a paddle, um, mate. Another couple guys that uh, from kind of the, the more uh, higher ranked teams, Geelong, Hawthorne. Um, we've got Tia Miles, uh, query job security again, and we've got Brandon Parfit, query job security again. Both mid forward eligible but probably not in their best 22 pistol. I think there's a good chance that Parfit plays round one and then you just wait for people to get back from injury or you have a bad game and you're back out and you're stuck again with a, a donut. I'm not sure Miles is best 22 for Hawthorne, but I think he'll be get given opportunities throughout the year, but he's not quite the cash cow that you want to start the year that's in and out of the side. It's uh, slim pickings. There's a couple of others. Um, Durden and Simpkin from North as well. Really, really questionable job security. Probably would not go there, and particularly, particularly because uh, I think Durden is vying with Ed Vickers Willis for the, that D, um, that third tall in the back line. <laughs> Even if he does get a game, it's at the expense of one of our back line rookies, and he's playing a like a key defensive kind of lockdown position. <laughs> We're kind of screwed either way, Pistol. We are. It's. <laughs> it's not looking very good. I mean, someone who does have good job security is Ben Ainsworth, but is you know, 200K, and is scored absolutely shockingly in JLT, and I can't see him being a great scorer or a great cash cow, but he's got the job security. Yeah, but I do tell you, Ben Ainsworth, he, he won't score as well as Taranto because he's playing in a worse side, but there's one thing that you can see the moment Ben Ainsworth gets the ball, he has trying to put it in words he has he's one of those footballers that he's able to outthink his opposition every time he gets it I think there was um it might have been a poster or, or a behind it was one of the the better shots on goal I've seen um in the JLT right up against the boundary everyone thought he was going to go back in board and somehow he's gone he's dribbled it off the outside of the boot curled it around the corner along the ground uh, at a shot of goal and just completely outthought absolutely everyone else. He has that X factor, he's, which to me says he's going to be playing games in that as a you know he, he'll he'll play um, games early for Gold Coast. But again, small forward like the the Jared Pickett's, the Dan Butlers, um, these kind of guys, he won't be a high scorer. And so for two hundred k, I'm just not sure that he's worth the selection pistol. Yeah, you don't get bonus points for X factor, do you? No. Um, someone that doesn't get bonus points for pretty much anything is Aaron Black. Uh, <laughs> with Shane Kirsten uh, moving over to Western Australia with his best mate handling from the Bulldogs, it does open up uh, that position for another kind of marking lead-up forward in the, the Geelong outfit in Aaron Black. He got a bit of a run in the JLT. 
again, another one of these forwards, he's basically has less job security than Brett Eddy. He has less scoring power than probably Brett Eddy. He's more expensive than Brett Eddy, and he plays on a team that they can probably fill that gap with other players hearing like Harry Taylor going forward. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've just lost it. <laughs> Your segue on black. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't think he's uh, best 22, but if he does get named, he's, again, another poor performance away from being dropped and his scoring potential, unless he kicks bags of five and bags of six, I'm not sure he can uh, crack a half century. So, again, it's another no from me, which... Leaves very slim pickings. I think the last rookie we haven't really talked about, or there's there's two I can think of. Uh, one being Will Hoskin Elliott from Collingwood. It's a bit more expensive. And look, I, I think if you're willing to pay for two 200k rookies, then go for it. I'm not willing to do that. I'm just going to fork out a bit more and get Jack Steele. But Hoskin Elliott, I can see averaging between 65 and 70 for Collingwood. Job security, I think, to start the year especially, is quite good. So... Definitely a solid pick, but if you're picking between him and Taranto, I would probably lean towards Taranto there. Yeah. Uh, the only one that I really want to touch on is Jordan Gallucci from Adelaide. Um, they, they do have a history of giving a few games to their, their star recruits from the year before, looking at a Wayne Millerer from last year. But again, he's not going to get a, a whole lot of game time, but he's another guy that really does have that that football smarts, he knows how to find the ball, he knows how to set up a teammate, he knows how to kick a goal. Again, the only thing is job security and his elevated price pistol, but he is one to keep a look out for. Um, we've got the a lot of people, a lot of teams. We see people chucking in a Mitch uh, Hanahan and a Tim Smith. Um, oh, sorry, Mitch Hannon and Tim Smith from Melbourne. Neither of those players, I think, are really going to get a run pistol. Um, so I think we might as well talk a little bit more about um, structures in the forward line and kind of relate them particularly to our ruck line as well because I think um, you probably agree with me that Nankervis is really pushing for a place in our team and he can definitely play, say, that F4 position. F5 is probably a bit deep for me personally, but an F4 Nankervis covering a Sanderlands with that DPP swing is really interesting, but it does maybe impact whether you pick up a Jack Steele. So that's something I'm playing with. If uh, Nankervis is someone you're looking at, where are you picking him in your team, Pistol? Definitely in the forward line for me. Um, I like the option to cover Sandy. If something happens to Sandy, you can swing Nank there. But uh, while we're we're talking about forward ruck options, uh, we did skimp over uh, Darcy Cameron for... Uh, the Swans, who I think will at least play early until something happens with Cal Sinclair. Not quite sure what's going on there. I know he was injured, hasn't quite played particularly well to get back in the team. So he could be another rookie at 117k, and he has got the forward ruck uh, DPP eligibility, which is uh, quite a big deal when you've got Nank running around and you've probably got your R3 with DPPP. I'm sure it might come in handy at some stage, but anyone to cover Sandy in case uh, the inevitable happens and he does go down with injury. Uh, I think it's a, a decent option. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. The The thing is with the Swans, can they play Darcy Cameron, Sam Naismith and Kurt Tippett all in the one side? Like, you know, in the Swans forward line, they're going to have, say, a Sam Reid, a Lance Franklin, a Kurt Tippett, three massive talls, and then they're going to try and fit in a Darcy Cameron and a Sam Naismith. 
like, how can you play all those three tools all in the one team? I don't know, but they're, they're trying it. They are, they've managed to fit in Naismith, Tippett, and Cameron in the JLT, I think, as well as Sam Reed. So they've gone tall. These players can play as well. They're not, they're not bad players. So I guess it'll be an experiment. I'm not sure how long it'll last, but he could get games. It's a bit hard for me to judge his uh, job security. The, the interesting thing is if they are going to plan with that, Sydney, they're a great team. I wouldn't say they have the greatest ground-level forward line in the competition. I think that's something that Isaac Heaney really brought. But when you've got Tom Papley out, you've got Gary Rowan out, you've got Isaac Heaney out, who else do you have in that forward line that can really be um, a, a good crummer, a good uh, kind of uh, forward pocket? And I think that's where Oliver Florent is really interesting because... He may get some games early, but as soon as you get the Papleys, the Rowans, the, the even the Heaney later down the track, they're not going to have a spot for him, surely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But to start the year, again, his scoring potential, I should mention, because I'm not sure he was on many people's radars. Um, he wasn't overly impressive in the JLT. I think his last game, he got a 58 um, off the top of my head. He got 57 or something in the, the week before that as well so he's hovering around the, the 57 58 mark and um, for memory his first game also was quite poor um, I can look it up here it's 46 so 46 57 and 58 for Florent you're not you're not getting kind of bang for your buck you're probably looking at a, a low 50 average I'm not even sure how much money gonna make probably a very very slow burn and then he might get dropped and you've made no money and lost the trade <laughs> Well, he's 167K. He did play all three JLT, but he only averaged 53.7. So he really is not going to be a, a huge cash generator. And he's got those question marks around his uh, his job security in the team. Even though we have highlighted the, the small forward kind of absence of the Sydney Swans, I just I think they've got a lot of options that they can rotate through that forward line that, uh, that will override him getting games. Um, and the last thing I want to touch on, Particularly in relation, I kind of we're kind of talking about them together because um, I don't want to really reference to them separately because they're interlinked. If you are going to have that DPP link in the forward line, say you've got Dalhouse, say you've got McRae, say you've got Roughhead, who I think are all very reasonable suggestions, then you want to nang Curvis at uh, say uh, uh, an F four. How are you going to fit it? Are you going too deep if you have Jack Steele at F five? Uh, well, I'm going to say no because you've you've named my forward line with Jack Steele at F5. <laughs> so thanks for doing that. No, that's all right. I'm just helping the community here. I'm just looking at your team right now. I just remembered your login from last year. So uh, just 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 reading through your team. Uh, I'll start at the defence line so I can read out your whole team to the Sunday. Um, but for me, if you're spending, if you're if you've got Jack Steele at F5, what you're saying to me is you're really not confident about those forward rookies. And depending where you pick, say, a, a Taranto, depending where you pick a Jared Pickett, if you've got a Dan Butler, if you've got a Brett Eddy, if you've got a Kane Turner, I think there's possibly enough players that you can be confident enough there'll be three to four that you can definitely go into round one with. I think what it's saying to me, Piston, and you'll be able to tell me straight off the bat as someone that has Jack Steele at F5, is it because you're so... Your confidence level in the rookies in the forward line is so low that you feel like you have to go deeper in the forward line to cover for it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I look at the rookies available and I say, who do I want on my field? 
And the answer is no one. I don't want any of those rookies on my field, except for Taranto, which is how he's at F6. But I look at them, and I'm like, do I want Garlett on my field? Do I want Eddie on my field? The answer is no. I don't, I don't want someone that's going to average 40, struggling to hit 50s on any given week on my field. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices and maybe give up a primo somewhere else and get Nankervis and Steele in the forward line and just avoid having the, the 40 on my field and hopefully get some keepers in the in the meantime. It's Usually, I would not play this way, but I am feeling very, very shy about all these forward rookie options, along with the midfield rookie options, and it's, uh, yeah, leaving me quite anxious <laughs> for yeah, round and, one. <laughs> and particularly anxious with all the mid-prices. Uh, everyone knows that if you go into round one with guns and rookies and you know the rookies are going to play, you just you, there's no stress levels. You just wait for your premiums to rack it up. Wait for your, um, your your rookies to jump in price. Then you switch and just hope you hit the right premium that you're upgrading up to. When you've got the mid-prices, when you've got like a, a Taranto at F6 and you're spreading that extra coin, you've got a Jack Steele, you've got a Rough Head, you've got a, a Nankervis, there's a whole lot of mid-price coin there in that forward line that can straight away just go upside down and completely ruin your season. But the thing is, as we've said a number of times, this year we have to pick the Tarantos, we have to pick the Turners, we have to pick the uh, the Bows, these kind of players, because we're not we're not paying for points, uh, we're paying for job security. And it would be absolutely lovely if we had four Brett Eddies at 102k that we can just chuck a couple on our field and they're going to score 50s uh, and 60s each week. But we can't even get guaranteed 50s out of them. Like, can you imagine having to play Aaron Black on the field or have him as your emergency? That would just... that, that That's the worst thing you could possibly have in Supercoach. No, I think the worst thing is having show and makers at F6. <laughs> and the thing is, you're so hot on show and makers, you haven't even got him on your side. Don't tell me you've got him <laughs> on the bench. No, I don't. I've gone cold on show and makers. I don't think he makes a squad at yes. the moment. Um, but look, you pretty much nailed it. I, I, I'm scared to have this many mid prices, but I'm more scared about the the rookies. Look, I could be completely wrong. I'm going out on the limb. If I get, I miss one of the rookies, so be it. And I've kind of got too many mid prices. But honestly, looking at the the rookies available, none of them scream to me saying, "Yeah, pick me," or, or "It's safe to put me on the field." And I find it just way too risky to to go down that route. So I'm just going to avoid it and hope for the best. And yeah, we'll see what happens. If you if you guys manage to pick a rookie that ends up playing for the first eight weeks and averaging 60, then yeah, you deserve to rank better than I. Hey, mate, that pretty much wraps it up. Have you got anything else that you're, you're interested with your uh, your forward line? Are you going to keep Nankervis and uh, Steele and uh, Taranto? Are you going to keep that those uh, mid-prices in the, the ruck line come tomorrow afternoon? <laughs> Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> Round one, we'll see who's named. See if I go back against everything that I've just said on this podcast and end up getting yeah. too scared and running out of the mid-prices, which I think is uh, <laughs> likely that I drop them. But yeah, who knows? But thanks for listening, guys. And if you enjoy the podcast, feel free to donate to uh, our uh, Cancer Council link, which we will post in the comments on Facebook. And yeah, thanks if you do that. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and don't forget to find us on iTunes. Uh, give us a rating so that uh, more coaches can find us so that we're easily accessible. Um, and just let us know what you think because we do this podcast for you guys to kind of give you uh, a, you know, the understanding that we spend half of our spare time reading about because we love the game so much. So if there's something you want to know, let us know so we can let know you know you know, Pistol. Does that make sense? <laughs> 
No. Not at all. But yeah, feel, feel free to give us a rating as well and any feedback. Uh, we'll definitely take it on board. I know a lot of people complained about the quality of the podcast last year. It sounded like I was in a tin can, and that was because I actually was in a tin can. But now uh, we have upgraded our equipment a little bit, so uh, hopefully for you guys it's sounding a lot better. Better than Geary last year. He used to record on the train, and we were wondering why we could hear people in the background. Oh, I'm pretty sure that was his house. <laughs> All right, well, with that, I'll uh, say goodbye and thank you, community. All right, don't forget that you can find... Um, oh, this is going completely off the rails, Pistol. You can, uh, The Supercoach Champion rings that if you want it for your league, don't forget we've got the 10% discount, the dot, capital T, capital D, all one word. Um, the only last thing I'll probably pop in, knowing that it is uh, end of the JLT, try and pick... Everyone's saying that we've got... This is the last thing I want to touch on, Pistol. I've just literally thought of it. Everyone is picking, inverted commas, placeholders. Don't pick placeholders. Place, but pick people you think are going to play. Because as soon as the round one teams come out, you're like, oh, five of my rookies aren't playing. I've got to restructure my whole side. Try your best to pick players you think legitimately will make round one so that when the teams come out, you're missing one, maybe two that you have to change. You don't have to suddenly downgrade that sixth midfield premium from the structure that you're going with and then suddenly have a Nankervis, a Sandlands and Wits combination in the ruck and downgrade Goldie that you had and then somehow bring Steel into the... Pick the players that are gonna that you think are going to play round one so that your team doesn't have to be totally rejigged as soon as the teams come out. Is that fair enough? Well, yeah, I'll pick more expensive rookies that you can downgrade to the playing rookies, but yeah, same, same point. Absolutely. All right, community, we're out of here. Thanks for uh, chatting to me again, Pistol. It's been a great one. <laughs> no worries. Catch you later. Catch you, community.